Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business so that you can achieve your vision. And today we have the best of our nuggets episode which we will be airing over on our YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out over on perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And we'll be giving you some high level strategic things for you to think about from a financial perspective. A lot of the financial metrics that you probably don't think about, like customer acquisition cost. How can you improve your top of funnel to improve your CAC? How can you get out of that red bloody ocean of conversion? campaigns in order to get into the blue ocean of awareness and consideration campaigns we give you some tips on that and then as well as the economics of how much you can pay or are willing and able to pay to acquire a customer and that is one of the most important metrics that you need to know as a business it will actually use salesforce.com as a proxy for customer acquisition costs right after our break here and we'll also get into some of the best CRO tools that we use inside Tier 11 through our conversion architecture division. So stick around. We're going to get right into this week's Nuggets episode right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com 
forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. This is why we're doing this whole sort of series on conversion rate optimization is when it comes to learning management systems, it's Kajabi. Kajabi is fabulous. They have figured it out. Now, I will say I'm biased here because we love these guys. We've used them for years and years. You know, we did have some info products that we sold a while back, which actually did really well. They're all housed on Kajabi. It's the go-to solution. So if you have a digital product and you need an LMS to house your stuff, your lessons, Kajabi is the only solution that I would use. And yeah, I've heard it said that Kajabi is the Shopify of LMSs. It really is. They just figured it out so well. I will say this, is that the page builders and the A-B testing side of the equation, sort of the first click conversion, I would always prefer click funnels into Kajabi. That's how we kind of built things. I know they've really enhanced that page builder side of the equation. So like if you do have that capability where you can integrate the both of them in, that's what we did. That's what a lot of our customers now do. But that page builder side for Kajabi is getting better. But as far as organizing your content, putting it together, having a creative flow, the customer service is amazing. These guys have put it all together. I know you guys are doing some Google training for them in a couple of weeks, which is pretty John's cool. John's there right now. Oh, John's there. Oh, as really? As we speak, John's recording and we're doing deep dives. So if you're a Kajabi user... Stay tuned because we're going to have some pretty intense training on how to use Google Ads specifically for Kajabi. Yeah. So we just did a CRO training myself and one of our funnel specialists, Maria, there this past week, which should be live sometime in May, June. They're building up a really robust library of subject matter experts too. If you're starting out or... You know, if your team is just starting out, they've got a great learning system of how to use Kajabi, but also how to optimize all the different aspects of it through subject matter experts like ourselves, like you guys. I think Molly Pittman was in there on the Facebook side of the equation. Molly Pittman's the one that got me the gig. Yeah. 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 And Russ, Russ Hanaberry's done some content marketing stuff, like really, really good. So just first class can't say enough great things about them in a great organization. So that's definitely another one that we use on that side. The fourth one that we do use a lot is obviously is WordPress. I think that's table stakes at this point. I wouldn't even add that in, but if you don't know what WordPress is and you're a director of marketing, you should probably know or at least have some really good dev people on your side to be able to facilitate that. Lots of page builders that are inside WordPress. Do you have a favorite theme just out of curiosity? Do I have a favorite theme? I have not built a website on WordPress for 10 years. So well, I haven't either, but I like Divi. Divi, yes. Divi themes, absolutely. I bring it up because WordPress, like you said, is such a ubiquitous truth. Next follow-up question is, well, like, which one? Because right. the theme that you use, no two themes are alike, and some of them are so different that it doesn't even feel like you're using the same CMS. And Divi, for whatever it's worth, it's by a company called Elegant Themes. I'm not an affiliate. Dude, it's like a joy to work with is what I'll say. I'm just a huge, huge fan of Divi. And what I think is cool is when you buy it once, you can use it for as many websites as you want or need. Instead of having to buy a theme every single time from ThemeForest or whatever, you buy it one time and then you get to use it in perpetuity. They are, now that I'm looking at this, this is actually what our webmaster uses. So, I figured. 
Dude, everybody yeah. who knows is using Divi. We'll just confirm that through our conversion architecture division, but I know that that's what we use on the Tier 11 site. It really does help. We're rebuilding it right now. You can build in a, like a visual builder and then preview it. It's really, really, really good. The next one that we use, not quite as great in my mind as ClickFunnels, but Instapages is one that we use. If we're trying to just build really quick landing pages and get a beta version Instapages is another one that we use quite a bit here. It's not quite as popular as ClickFunnels because usually, you know, the upsell sequences and everything else goes along with it. And just the conversion, the traffic that they've had in the past, obviously, you're not reinventing the wheel here. But Instapages, we really do like as just sort of a pure play landing page design. There's all kinds of other plugins that you can use inside WordPress. Elementor themes is another one that we'll use a fair amount. I mean, there's a lot there. Remember when everyone was using lead pages when digital marketing first started? I used to be such a fan of lead pages. And then they made some just strategic business decisions about how they were pricing usage. And it pissed me off beyond repair. So I'm no longer a fan, I'll say. Yeah, I don't know why that's not on this list because we loved this at first. And I don't know. Dude, I, just... love, I love lead pages at first too for a long, long time. Yeah. But now I'm just like, nah. You know, you got to be careful about screwing your users. Yeah. And there's just some times where it's like, hey, how about you leave money on the table and you don't piss me off? And then also only charge on one level of analysis. If you're going to charge by user, then don't charge me per page visit. If you're going to charge by page visit, don't charge me per theme. If you're gonna, You know what I mean? Like when you have this multivariant, very special pricing where no matter what I do, I turn around and I go get nicked again. Like I just start to get, you can hear my voice. I just start to get mad. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the reasons why. So Instapages is still the one that we, I don't know as if we would build out entire funnels, but it's a great way of getting a landing page, like an alternate version, the B version in your A-B tests. So yeah. I, would, I would stick with Instapages for right now. Lead pages we don't recommend, I think, for a lot of those reasons that you just mentioned. Now, the next one that we use on the funnel building side, I'm not as familiar with. But this actually helps answer the question, and I know we've got two or three customers that use this right now, is gem pages. And it's specifically for Shopify. So this mm. answers a bit of that question. We were using Zipify pages for quite some time. Love Ezra and his stuff over there. But our team, and they do this a lot, constantly testing new tools. This is a tool I'm not as familiar with. But if you have a Shopify store and you're looking for ways in which to increase your conversion rates for most people just send traffic to a product page. Right. If you look at some of these themes and everything, like this looks really, really impressive. It looks I'm on in the site. It looks super cool. Yeah. So that's a killer one for if you're selling physical products, so you can combine a bit of the sales page idea, but not just sending it to a product page. So we're working on a bunch of conversion architecture projects right now with e-com stores. We'll have more information on gem pages for that because it's impressive. And this has been a solution which has been harder to find. This boom in e-commerce in 2020, remember that pandemic thing that we went through? <laughs> and... 2021, 22, 23, I wouldn't see a massive decline, but there is definitely a leveling off or a downward trajectory in a lot of those businesses that were flourishing through those years. And, you know, this is a big part of it is what do you send your traffic to? Do you send it to a collection page? Do you send it to your homepage? And a lot of our e-commerce stores just send to homepages because they have good ability to be able to convince and get them to understand exactly what their product is all about. But ultimately, they convert on a product page. 
And GemPage, it seems like it's a pretty damn good solution here. So those are the preferred funnel building tools. Let's get into the split testing tools we use. I'm just going to rattle these off because I know we I had mentioned these in the previous episode. One of the ones which we love, 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 but is being sunsetted September 30th, 2023. So maybe you can get in before it's all over is Google Optimize. It is our number one A-B testing tool, but I don't know. you have any insight on the Google side of the equation, why they're getting rid of this thing? They always say they're going to sunset shit, and then they don't. It happens all the time. I don't know if you've had that same experience. My expectation is they're going to bring back something that's similar, but more aligned with their current direction. If you're heavy into Google Optimize, I wouldn't be too worried. I don't think they're going to like just completely walk away from this feature set. I think they just need to like turn off what they currently have and then give us something that's a little bit more privacy first. So according to the site, they say it's because they're investing in third-party A-B testing tools within Google Analytics 4. Yeah, everything's moving towards GA4. They're forcing the usage of GA4. Everything needs to tie into GA4. Dude, they're killing conversion tracking for the majority of Google ad campaigns. I think it's in July. If you're not on GA4, if you're using UA, Universal Analytics, your tracking is just not going to work, which is crazy because most people don't realize that that's what they're doing. Mm. You know, Most people's accounts were set up by somebody that's no longer there, somebody who's not paying attention, an agency that's taken over, or yourself and all these tutorials. This is why we've never told anybody to track using UA. You reconcile using UA, but there's a shitstorm coming. <laughs> One of the things about LTV is like, what time frame are you using? Like when we're trying to figure out, okay, what is your LTV? What can you pay to acquire a customer with a, your desired profitability in the mix? A lot of businesses don't really know what the time frame is for that LTV. They might look at three months, six months, 12 months, maybe five years if they That's have enough of That's why I like lifetime just. versus long-term because right. lifetime, what's nice about lifetime is, especially for small businesses, new businesses, I should say, the lifetime value grows as the business ages because you have your strongest retained clients that continue to add to the lifetime value. And so what that means is a long enough timeline, you end up being able to pay more for customers. In theory, yeah. You should be able to do the best way to do this. Like I said, we've got a couple of different episodes here where we go through this in a lot of detail is look at just to pick a time frame. If you've never done this before, go back a year figure out what your sales were for last year, figure out how many unique customers you have that bought from you in that year. And I think that's a good place to start, at least. Because I think that's more than a lot of businesses actually do. I agree. So, but so I, can I make this conversation more complex, Ralph? Because this, this is a fun topic. This is a fun and, topic. And it, Don't go too complex now. I won't go too complex, but I'm just going to ask a question. And here's where I struggle. Let's say that you have a three-month sales cycle. So I know that when I spend a dollar, I drop somebody in the top of my funnel. And between the time when I've spent that dollar, it takes about three months to nurture them down from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel, get them on the phone with my sales team, do the proposal and the dance and the song, whatever, kiss, hug, make up, we're married. Bam, three months. When I'm calculating my cash out, my costs, shouldn't I be taking today's income and three months ago's expenses? Yeah. If but you people know, don't do that. If they you don't. Know, Right. They don't. But that's that's where this gets really, and it, it's simple logic, but it, it's complex decision-making. It's extremely complex. I think you have to settle on 
a number that you're comfortable with that isn't precise and exact in a lot mm. of ways, especially if you're dealing with paid traffic, because that's so easily measurable. We're testing right now this idea of really don't do much in the way of paid traffic, but just do organic social and see exactly what effect that has on our leads. So the best guinea pigs I've always found for us to test new theories is just test it out on ourselves yep. and just figure out, okay, is there really something to this? What we're finding is that it's not quite, all right, we're saving money on ad spend, right? Our salaries and everything else that goes into our marketing department, which is part of your marketing expense, selling general administrative, like there's an M in there, which is marketing, and it's not necessarily all just ad spend. So what we're actually finding is that some of the paid traffic that might not develop into leads is actually generating leads somewhere else. Just what we talked about, I think, two or three episodes ago, when you were talking about what you guys were doing on YouTube. Dude, it's 150 like, grand a month with zero mm -hmm. attribution. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Go back and listen to that episode if you didn't hear it, because it, it, it blows your mind. And attribution is getting harder. So this conversation is even more important because your ability to see when somebody converts from paid traffic is going to continue to diminish. Yeah. So in that way, I think you have to get comfortable with a number and know what that number is. Like for you, all right, let's say it's $150,000 in spend per month because you know you're going to get in the back end at 90X plus days because you know your cycle. Yeah. Safe to say. My cost per acquisition on a customer is $2,500. My lifetime value on a customer is about 24000 So we do pretty well there. But to the point that you're making, those are old numbers actually. Now that we're scaling up, CAC is going up. LTV seems to be going down. So this is actually a perfect example of what we want to talk about here, inverse profitability. It's like you guys have enjoyed good profitability and now you are spending and scaling. Let's just say, we don't want to talk about Solutions 8 specific numbers, but let's just say you're at a 40% or like a 30% net operating income. Dude, that's about exactly where we were, 30 to 40%. Okay. Yeah. So let's say you're a $4 million company. We're not going to talk about like your numbers specifically, yeah. but let's say you're about that. Let's say you're at a 30% net operating income. Now, I don't, I, I don't think we're there anymore, by the way. I think we were there and then we exploded in this, this growth. Is my, this start, yeah. This is my away. point. This is my point. The law of inverse profitability states, and this is an issue that we have with customers who come on board. They're like, I can't scale anymore because I still want that 30% net or they don't tell us, which even worse. So- oh. I just I won't work with them. I don't want to tell you guys like what I'm yeah. making. You want like, to tell your bus driver where you're going? Like, <laughs> me? Seriously. Yeah, it's like, just hit the gas. Get, just get on the Waze app and just take me somewhere. Right. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, whatever. Like, where are you going, man? Oh, I don't know. Like, Waze is just going to take me somewhere. That's what's happening when you're being <laughs> that way with your, yeah, let's just guess. So I want to go across town, but I'm not really sure where. Just, I'm just right. going to let Waze take me there. No, you need to know what the goal is. Be transparent. If you're working with an agency, if you're working with an internal marketing department, it's okay to talk about these sorts of numbers. It's like, it's not going to kill you. It was so funny. We were at a client meeting about a month and a half ago, and we went through this like step-by-step, step, literally five, six hours. And they kept not wanting to give us their profitability. I'm like, guys, it, just tell me for Christ's right. sake. It's like, it's not like I'm going to raise fees on you today. Like, it, just tell me what it is so we can actually be on the same page. We eventually did. I don't think he was completely transparent. The they point, patted the hell out of him. The point is like we beat it out of him. My point is this. So if you're a $4 million business, let's just use this hypothetically, and you're making 30% net, okay? You are making about 1.2 million like after everything, right? Mm. 
that's that could be salaries, it could be owner distributions, whatever it happens to be. Like that's pretty profitable. That's more profitable than Apple, right? Apple is 24, 25%, which is pretty right. good net operating Dude, income. So I, th when you said that, that shocked me that Apple does 20%. I'd have guessed sub 10. I mean, they have premium price products. Yeah, you know? but it, I mean, like the Apple stores, the Geeks Squad thing they do, all the support. I know they're yeah. not Geek Squad. Who are they? The nerd uh, that's table. Best Buy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but Apple has their own version. I just they figured do. that the overhead would be so high. I'm actually really impressed with 24%. Yeah. Real estate and all that sort of stuff. It's shrunk over time. It's shrunk over time. It used to be in the 40s. And yeah. This is exactly what they figured out. It's like, all right, if I can actually double down on scale, then I can accept a lower net operating income. Salesforce is banking on a 25 year lifetime value. Salesforce is banking on the fact that they will have a customer for 25 years. They spend with the understanding that if I acquire a customer, they'll be with me for 25 years. So if you're competing against Salesforce, imagine the firepower they've got compared to you and the efficiency they can bring to the market compared to you. So those are the things that you learn at the bottom of the funnel. And it saves you from spending a whole bunch of money at the top of the funnel, which takes months, if not years, to trickle down, only to learn the same lesson in a much harder way. So I'm not telling you the bottom of the funnel is better. I'm saying it's better short term. Long term, I actually hate the bottom of the funnel. Think about my own business, Ralph. I run a Google Ads agency. Google Ads is my least favorite acquisition method for clients. I love organic. I love podcasting. I love my YouTube channel. I love my referral partners. I love my mastermind. Google Ads is a horrible place. Horrible place. I don't even bid on the term Google Ads agency any longer. But if I had, if a meteor hit my business and I had to start all over, that's where I would begin so I could zoom out and go from bottom to the top. I think this speaks especially to somebody who's, I'm just looking at some of the leads that have recently come into Dear 11, for example. These are businesses that want to hire us and say, well, I want to scale to $100,000 a month in revenue in a highly competitive, like one of them is a business coaching niche. I want you guys to come in magically. Just go in. You press that lead press button. Press that lead you button. You have the lead button back there. Just press that button. Press that me. lead button and you'll figure it all out. Well, yeah. by the way, can I pay you later? <laughs> and do you work on commission? I'll give you one quarter of 1% of my business. I don't know what business coaching is for a keyword phrase, but you are competing against, well, first off, number one in the organics is censure. Is, HubSpot, <laughs> to your example. Oh, I guess you said Salesforce. Let's use HubSpot. Probably has the same model yeah. as my guess. Obviously, highly profitable company. You're competing against Tony Robbins. You're competing against Brian Tracy. You're competing against all these local businesses. Like This is Action Coach. You name it. I mean, this is a highly, highly competitive space. And the smarter thing to do would actually be to find out like how bloody is this water? Like how red is this ah. ocean to begin with? <laughs> yeah. Before you go, I, I appreciate the fact that this company wants to hire us. Great. I love it. Thank you very much for submitting your application. But the point is, is you're going to expect us to create a miracle here and you've never sold a damn thing. Now, this is obviously what you're talking about is very, very basic starter one-on-one. -on -one. What if they came to the equation saying, hey, I was you know, bidding on business coaching terms and I realized that first off, nobody is converting or my cost per acquisition for an actual client is $10,000 and I only make $2,000 
you know, per coaching customer. That is an upside down business. So back to the question at hand here, you need to know what your numbers are. And no matter what it is, I mean, you're using bottom of funnel. We typically will test with top of funnel and try and figure out, okay, what messaging is actually resonating to trickle down ultimately to be the bottom of the funnel. But high intent keywords, that's where the water gets very, very red, in my opinion, especially like the example that you use in the business coaching space. And you'll find out very quickly what your cost to acquire a customer is. And if you don't know what your lifetime value is, you're kind of flying blind in this case. And it does come back to understanding and knowing your numbers and having some kind of frame. So in the case of bespoke custom mold example, which is a great example because it's obscure and it's niche and it's high intent, you can at least get an idea. Like you have to spend some money to figure that sort of stuff out at very bottom of funnel. And I think this is what the smart businesses do. They go out and they test things. They say, okay, this is how much it's going to cost me. And I don't even know what I'm doing. How can I actually enhance the lifetime value? What can I add on? What can I do after the initial sale, the, after the initial transaction? How can I enhance that lifetime value? How long is it going to take me to get my money back from the clicks I've already paid to bid for bespoke custom mold? And at least you have a starting point. But then once you have a starting point, then what? That's great. You can figure all that stuff out. And then then you're kind of back to square one. You're like, all right, well, now I realize that at bottom of funnel, it's going to cost me $1,000. My lifetime value is only $200. I'm selling my product for $200. I'm completely upside down here. Then what? Do you go out of business? Do you test and tweak? What would be your recommendation there for somebody who starts in that direction? It depends on how far off the mark you are. You know, like the life insurance agent, for example, where he was 20 years off. I'm like, dude, you know, I, I forgot what he was making. It was something, it was horrible. It was like $21 a year for these policies he was selling. He would get $21 a year and it was going to cost him $400 to sell a policy oh or something insane. Oh my God. You know, and not all the policies stick because people cancel. Right. So when we did the math, I was like, dude, this is a non-starter. For a guy like that, I think that Google just did you a huge favor and taught you that unless you're playing the network marketing game, you're going to have a really hard time scaling this type of thing. If you're not that far off, if you are underwater, but you realize, okay, this is just hyper competitive at the extreme bottom of the funnel, what you do then, this is a strong opinion loosely held, Ralph, feel free to just knock me off of this. But I think that the way that smaller businesses win is they niche down. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you're listening. And make sure you let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Let us know what you think of these Nugget episodes as well. You can always follow me on LinkedIn as well as Kasim over at, at Kasim Aslam on Twitter. Go back and listen to previous episodes. And check out our YouTube channel once again at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And of course, all resources and show notes are over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 